Well, it's good to have you here for our next installment of The Grudge. Uh, we're working and talking about how to be freed. We talked about the promised land of freedom and being freed, and a part of that, when you say yes to Christ, is to be free from bitterness and grudges and all that goes along with that. So we're thankful to have you with us uh, this morning. And we're also thankful to have, give a shout out to George and Ellen. I know they join us live uh, up in Waterloo, and they're not ready to be out on a Sunday morning yet, but it's great to have those people joining us online and listening on SoundCloud and those kinds of things, so that's fantastic. So as we're thinking about the grudge, and we're thinking about grudges in our life, you know, sometimes we hear the word, the grudge, it sounds like something you get on you, but really it's something that we're trying to get out from inside us. It's not something that's on us, it's in us. And uh, some of us have grudges because we've had very painful experiences. And on one hand, we would say that that's kind of a legitimate reason to be hurt and to be upset. And uh, we kind of are just stuck with that. But again, as we're looking at grudges, we're trying to recognize how you and I, as we've said yes to Christ, it can be free from having those uh, captivate us and having us be freed from those things and not be always on the front of our mind. And yes, it is a process. It's not a switch, but it is a process possible when we have God working in our lives. So as we're going into week number two and thinking about this again, it's kind of appropriate that it's Mother's Day because I don't know about you, but I find that mothers have a lot of patience and mothers also seem to be able to not hold a grudge or get bitter. At least that's been my personal experience as a husband, but also my personal experience as a son. And uh, this mom we're going to show you is an example of how she's navigating this. And I just want to watch you to watch us and think about what she is feeling in this moment. So you went and got a marker. You did it for one? Because we wanted to be bad and they were sorry. Are you mad at her? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty upset. Does my daddy gonna be mad too? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we should think about what we've done. You think thinking about what you've done is gonna take away the marker all over your chest? You are officially never allowed to use a marker again. Yeah, but I did the draw. Well, try paper next time. Yes, ma'am. So, why in the world is that mom... She's probably in for more stories. Wouldn't it be nice to get like a weekly update, what's going on with those boys? But uh, that mom, I think, is in store for a lot of things. Why do we think that that mom is going to be able to navigate and walk through that 
without holding a grudge, without getting bitter, as her three boys seem to get into everything or more stuff. Why would that be? Patience, okay, lots of patience. Love. And that, that's really what I'm, lo- I'm looking for, that love produces the patience, but it's, it's that love. That's, that's the, the tipping point. As long as that mom really loves those boys, there's going to be a, a patience and a walking through, not letting off the hook, uh, not enabling them. I, I think they're going to be in marker lockdown for a long time, but eventually the markers will come out for paper, but uh, you know she's going to walk through that, but it's love that's going to get her through not having a grudge. And the same is true for all of us, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. The, the characteristic, the concept that gets us through, that gives us freedom, is love. It begins with God's love for us, and then as God's love changes us and touches us, we start to have a love for others. Now, when we're talking about grudges and we're talking about all this kind of thing, I, I think there's really, in a sense, uh, two levels of this. You probably could come up with more levels, but in our thinking, uh, two levels. It's, it's first the areas that are just offended and bugged. There are people out there that offend us and bug us. They push our buttons. Some of it's on purpose. Some of it's just the way they are. And uh, we can get a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. We can have a little bit of a bent towards them that we're just irritated with them. They bug us and they offend us. And we might not say we're bitter about them, but we're bothered by them. And uh, so, so what, what do we do with that? I can remember being a youth pastor, and you may remember a little bit of this story. Uh, we had a guy who was just totally into himself, was very arrogant, was always sarcastic, was, was, just, it was just a difficult kid to have in youth group. And, uh, you know, just kind of had a little bit of a bent towards him. I wouldn't say I was bitter towards him, but I was definitely irritated by him. And uh, he seemed to know how to offend and bug better than anyone else. And uh, so we were going on this uh, weekend away. It was snow camp. And after three hours in that 15-passenger van with him, I just was like up to my ears. So uh, we had talked about doing some little pranks on the kids and uh, me and this other youth leader. And uh, one of the things we were going to do was we were going to put like cereal in their sleeping bag. And so as we're getting ready to do this, I said, wait a minute. His name was Dave, too. I'm like, wait a minute. Let's do this. Let's put cereal in everybody's sleeping bag, even a little bit in ours, just a little in ours, but not in his. Watch what happens. Sure enough. They're getting into their sleeping bags at night. Everyone's like, hey, there's cereal in my sleeping bag. I'm like, there's cereal in my sleeping bag. And then this kid just walks right into it. Hey, there's no cereal in my sleeping bag. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all the guys in the room looked at him. You must have done it. No, I didn't do it. You must have done it. It's kind of funny. And the next morning, he was woke up wrapped in saran wrap, and they were dropping snowballs on his chest, and he couldn't move. So, you know... Hopefully, if you're watching now, I didn't mention your name. He's not like uh, after me, but uh, uh, we never told about that. But there's, there's those, 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 those people that just bug us. And then there's those people we know that just seem to be always easily offended. You feel like you're walking on eggshells around them. 
And so it's just, it's just hard. There's, there's people out there that are just easily offended, and uh, you know we can be that person too. And when you search to be offended, you'll find what you're looking for. If you're looking to be offended, if you're looking to find something wrong with something or somebody, you can find it. And we've met some of those people that seem to be always in that mode. And it just creates, a, just creates a, again, just a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, or it could be a chip on our shoulder. Uh, sometimes it's not everything. It's focused on a person or a group of people or whatever, and, and we just start finding it. And again, as we just sang, we're supposed to be free of that, not captivated by that, not captivated by a grudge or that turns into bitterness, offense, that turn, bugging that turns into so much more than that. Solomon writes this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory. It shows their, it's to one's uh, benefit. It shows that they're, they're a person of character to overlook an offense. And so when we get into this, we have to ask ourselves, are we easily offended? And sometimes we can be in a message like this and we think of all the other people that are easily offended. We have to ask ourselves, am I easily offended? Is there a certain person that I'm easily offended? Well, Solomon writes that you and I should overlook, and the idea is to, be, is to pass over it, to not focus in on it, not to be quick to judge, to condemn, to be offended, uh, quick to be hurt. Sometimes we can be that kind of person that uh, we just get hurt really easily. And, uh, you know, and so being that person, we're, we're to get beyond that. We're not to always be looking for that. And what we just saw in that little opening thing and what's a theme of the whole message series is this idea is that uh, when you and I are in this position and we're trying to choose what to do, we need to choose grace and we need to fill in the gap with love. And that's why all of us can have somebody who does little annoying things but we love them, and it doesn't seem to bother us. It doesn't be a big deal. And then there can be somebody who does even less little annoying things, but we really don't care for that person, and they, they just do one little thing, and it just sets us off. Getting to this place where we fill that in with love. And at first glance, we say, well, that's a benefit to them. And yes, it is a benefit to them. But the reality is it turns out to be more of a benefit for us. Because then we're not held captive by that little grudge or that larger uh, issue in our life. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers over all offenses. And again, we all can think of somebody, and you might even have somebody in your life that they're just, they, just, they just seem to be always pushing buttons, but it, it, you, you can live with that. And then there's another person that's not pushing buttons as much, and you can't live with it. It's because you and I haven't filled in the gap with love. Now, this doesn't mean enabling someone. This doesn't mean bad behavior. It doesn't mean being a doormat. It doesn't mean letting things go in the sense of you, you, just, you, just, you just let it go and, and get slammed again by whatever it is. But it's the idea that you just don't hold on to it and you fill that in with love. Now, as we're thinking about this and we're thinking about sometimes when we're in that, 
uh, dichotomy of, you know, the person that does, let's say, more bugging things, but they don't bug us, and the person who does less bugging things, but they do bug us. Uh, sometimes when we're trying to explain that, it, it comes down to something like this. It's easy to connect our actions or the actions of those we favor to the circumstances. We say, they did this or did not do that because of the circumstances. They couldn't help but um, have that unfold that way. You know, they, they, were, they, they were late because, you, you know, there must have been a traffic jam. There must have been something, something, something. And that was like this circumstances. And then on the other side, we connect the actions of those who bug us or we don't care for to their character. So now it's not that, oh, there were some circumstances. That's why they're late. It's that they're always late. They're a bad person because they're late. See, that second category, it's because we, we don't love them. We haven't filled love, the gap in with love. And... Um, you know, we need to, you know, again, get to that place uh, where we do that. Now, it's interesting. The devil, the evil one, wants us to fill the gap in with accusations. Now, I don't know where you fall on this. I believe there's a real live presence. There's a fallen angel, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, that is in existence. It's just not badness in the world. There's actually a person, an, a fallen angel. And uh, on one hand, that, that matters, but on the other hand, this, this point is, this idea is that he goes around accusing everyone, and uh, that's what he wants us to fill the gap in. So when we have a gap, a couple weeks ago, we talked about jumping to conclusions. We jump to conclusions, and we fill it in with an accusation. This must have happened, and it's usually a, a mark against that person. Uh, this is what happens to Job. Uh, some of us are familiar with the Older Testament story of Job, and this is just in the beginning of the introduction. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant, Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. That description, he's blameless. Doesn't mean he's perfect, but he's blameless. And it's interesting that we know the backstory, if you read through Job, you'll see that his friends come supposedly to encourage him, support him, but if you watch the dialogue go back and forth and back and forth, all those friends do basically is accuse him. There's no filling in the gap with love. Even his wife gives it to him. He's alone. You see, accusation is not what we're to fill that stuff in with. And I, I read through every year, I read through these words in this dialogue, and it, it bothers me because I see the problems that Job is having, and I go, wow, I could be one of those friends that say, the reason you're having these problems is because this isn't good in your life. I could be an accuser, and uh, Job was not in the wrong. He was blameless and all this, even in his responses to all this, he is blameless. Again, 
Satan, the devil, wants to fill you to fill in the gap with accusations. When you have a grudge, when you're leaning that way, when someone pushes your buttons, you want to start attacking their character. You don't want to see their circumstances. Get pull that word up. You don't want to see that. You just you just kind of you just kind of put it on their character. And then the other the other way is God wants us to fill it in with love, not an enabling love but a love, a love that cares for the person. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And that, that's a scary thing. When you and I are an accuser and not a fill the blanks in with the love, we separate people. We can even separate close friends. We can be separated from them, or we can create an environment that separates them. Uh, we can be, you know, in a group of people, and uh, all we have to do is kind of like let something go out and accuse them of something, and we let that float out, and all of a sudden, now another person who wasn't offended picks up that offense, and we're starting to separate friends. See that happen at work sometimes. You can see that happen in your family sometimes. Sometimes you can see that happen in church. See, the Lord wants us to take these instances where we feel offended or we feel bugged and fill it in with love, not accusations. Read on. Uh, and mark that, that you do not do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. If uh, you were to come into my life, I was able to come into your life, would we say, would you say, Dave, you're quick at mending fences? Would I be able to say that about you? Or do I amplify it and make it worse? Do you amplify it and make it worse? God calls us to love him. We go, oh, yes, I love God. And the way we express our love for God is by loving others, mending fences rather than holding that offense. Love the way 1 Corinthians is uh, translated, rendered, paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. This is how, in a sense, love shows up. Uh, you could take this passage in your message guide, and you could just hold it somewhere, and you could ask yourself, are you doing these things? Are you this kind of person? Is this your natural response, not reaction, response? Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it does not have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit, I think, last week a little bit. Don't, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Do you keep scores? Do you actually, do you actually know how many times the person that's bugging you or offending you, has bugged you and offended you, and you look at your life and go, well, they've done it like a hundred times, I've done it like two times, so I'm all set. You keep score. And again, that doesn't mean you, you enable somebody. Uh, doesn't revel when others grovel. You don't take pleasure when someone's down and they're trying to make things right, but takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything 
Trust God always. Sometimes when it comes down to these offenses and this bugging, and we're going to see a a deeper level in just a few minutes, it is putting our trust in God. We do our part, which sometimes means just closing our mouth. Sometimes it doesn't mean that. And then we let God do his part. Always looking for the best. Never looks back. Keeps going to the end. You take every phrase there and make an action statement out of it. If you're going to be loving, if you're going to fill the blank, the gap with love. Last week we saw that this is really is a choice. This isn't in your message guide, but just referring to last week's uh, bottom line. I'm over it when I choose better over bitter. And maybe it, that choose should be choosing inferring that it is an ongoing action. I'm going to continue to choose to be better rather than bitter. So we have the areas that offend us, bug us. We can have a chip on our shoulder. They're always this way. They're always that way. I mean, we're not losing sleep over it, but when we see them, we'll remember what a pain in the neck they are, at least in our thinking. But then there's a whole nother level. There's the, there's the person that sins against us and betrays us. Probably most of us have one of those stories where someone just was, was mean-spirited, pulled the rug out from under us, betrayed us. Maybe it was a conversation. Uh, maybe it was something they did in a relationship. Uh, some of us uh, uh, lost a marriage because someone betrayed us and sinned against us. Uh, lots of fill-in-the-blanks for that. Uh, some of us uh, have had horrific things happen in our past, and that's not to take anything away from it. But if you want to get into the promised land and be free from being captivated from that, the idea of processing through and getting to the other side and staying on the other side. You know, some of these things, I'll tell you, you know, I've had a a few, I don't don't look at myself as someone who's had a lot of tragedies, a lot of hurtful things, a lot of people sinning against me, but there are a few that I would put in that level. And, you know, and sometimes it's a process. Sometimes you don't even think of that person, that situation for, for a long time. And then their name comes up on Facebook and you're right back there. Oh, that's right. That's that. And, and, and your heart is just like bleeding all over again. And you've got to regroup and say, no, I'm choosing to be better than bitter. Yes, they sinned against me. There's no doubt about that. Yes, I was absolutely um, betrayed and crushed. But uh, I'm going to choose better over bitter. Jesus' disciples had to wrestle with this. Jesus actually teaches them and says, you're going to be in these situations where you've got to forgive. You've got to let it go, even when someone sins against you and betrays. And it gives you the freedom that you need rather than being captivated by it. Luke 17, we read, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. There's bound to be all these kinds of situations. Human beings are human beings. A few weeks ago, we talked about, won't it be nice? Won't it be great? Those are such small words, inadequate words. When we finally get to the place where as Christ followers, we're living in the new heavens and new earth, and sin doesn't touch it one iota. It doesn't touch it, doesn't touch us. 
But until then, we live in a broken world with broken people, us included, and uh, things are happening, and people react and do things that aren't kind, aren't nice. Sometimes we even realize, wow, that wasn't kind, that wasn't nice. Jesus goes on, so watch yourselves. Since he starts with watch yourself, he doesn't go, watch them. He goes, watch yourselves. If your brother or sister, someone close to you, sins against you, rebuke them. Speak it out. Just don't let it go. And we've talked about this in other passages. You Use words that are, are productive, not counterproductive. You don't want to back someone in a corner so they can't hear. Sometimes it's, it's not the uh, truth, the words you're saying. It's the approach you're using. So rebuke them. And if they repent, and that's basically change their mind, uh, change the way they think, and it starts to show up in their actions, forgive them. Don't hold it against them. Even if they sin against you seven times, oh, well, what says Even though you sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. I love the apostles' response. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I can't do that. I need help. I need spiritual help. I need you in my life to help with that. I hear what you're saying. I'm not arguing what you're saying, but I absolutely need your help if I'm to live that way. If I'm going to be able to forgive, I need my faith increased. I desperately need it. Jesus also says in another place, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray. Love them. Unbelievable. I definitely need extra faith for that. But I've noticed a change in my own heart. It's not instantaneous. When I have somebody that's nipping at my heels all the time, seems like it's all the time, or someone who's just hurt me uh, significantly, when I change and demonstrate love, not a feel-good love, like, oh, I'm happy, but a love that cares for them, and I actually start to pray for them, it, it seems to change them. They seem to become a different person. No, it actually changes me. And my response to them changes. And then all of a sudden I start living in that promised land that we just sung about. I have that freedom. I have that freedom from captivity. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I don't like that last phrase. Because that means everything's on the table everything's on the table. God has forgiven me of some pretty significant things. God gave his son because of those significant things. Even those things that we might not even say are that significant, but our sin in Christ, God has forgiven me and has forgiven you if you've said yes to him. Turns the table completely. We, as Christ followers, are to be in a leaning position that leans into forgiving. Again, it's not automatic. It's not easy. 
the apostles asked for help in their faith with it, but we are to be a forgiving people, not holding grudges, not being captivated by them. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay? But verse 15, but if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean if there's one sin out there that I, I forget or I just come, goes off the radar and I don't, I don't forgive it, that, that means I'm stuck? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you and I don't allow the forgiveness we've experienced to fill our heart and overflow into other people's lives. It affects our relationship with God. It doesn't mean we're out. It doesn't mean we lose our relationship with God, but it creates more static on the line because my heart now is more filled with a grudge or bitterness or whatever you want to call it, and so my heart isn't as listening to God in my life. So it's like our relationship, our communication isn't what it ought to be. And so there's these sticking points we could, some of us are familiar with parables that Jesus told about uh, someone being forgiven just a little bit and then another person being forgiven a lot. And the person that was forgiven a lot gives the person that forgiven a little bit a hard time and it just, it just unfolds and, and Jesus is not, not happy about that. This idea of forgiving. So it affects our relationship with God. So what is forgiveness? What does it look like? Well, first of all, what is it not? Uh, forgiveness is not going to see a few things. He, God, does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That's our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from ourselves. He doesn't hold them against us. Think of that greatest regret, that greatest uh, example of selfishness in your life where you just kind of didn't do what you knew God would want you to do. And you knew. You can think of the things before you knew God. That's in one category. But, but you absolutely knew. He separates that from us. He doesn't hold that against us. He doesn't. So that means, uh, does that mean that he forgets? Or forgiveness is forgetting. I'm going to say, no, it doesn't mean forgetting. It's not like when I do something wrong and I redo it a day later, a week later, or sometimes an hour later. It's not like God's like, oh, I never saw you do that before, Dave. I, I've never, it's like it's not on his, he doesn't, it, it does, it's not that it doesn't register with him. It's that he treats you as if you hadn't sinned. He accepts you. So when you and I think of forgiving somebody else, it's not that you forget it. If I lend money to somebody and they don't pay me back and then I deal with it and they say they're sorry and it works out so I'm, I'm just going to let it go, uh, then you know a month later or so they come back to me and say, hey, can you lend me some more money? And I say, well, I really, really don't feel I can do that this time because the last time. They're going to say, what do you mean? You didn't forgive me? You're holding that against me? Well, well, no. Well, maybe I am, but, but no. Uh, you know, I, I don't forget. I just don't hold it against you. 
And probably for me, it might be one or two times, depending on how much money it is and, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, a good lesson on that is I usually don't lend anything that I can't afford not to get back. So it doesn't put a financial pressure on me. Uh, I usually don't lend a tool or a thing that I can't get back. If I don't get it back or it doesn't come back in the same condition, I can still function. I, I don't lend things out that, like, totally upset my world. Sometimes I have to pray about where that line is. But again, it's this idea that it's not forgetting. It's just not holding it against that person. You still have compassion and love for that person. Uh, Forgiving also doesn't mean you let them keep hurting you. And that kind of goes along with that. It does not mean that. Uh, You don't have a blind eye to that. You're not a doormat. Also, there's the idea that sometimes we, you know, we want fairness And forgiving isn't fair. But the reality is it isn't fair. And it is totally unnatural. Someone hurts you, you want to hurt them back. You want there to be a consequence. It's unnatural. Everything in life, you do something, there's a response to that. So it is unnatural. But we, again, as we think about fairness, have got to be thankful that as a Christ follower, you have received forgiveness. And the reality is it isn't fair. It, it, it isn't fair that Jesus had to come and die on the cross for my sins, for your sins. Not fair at all. We want life to be fair, but thank God he isn't fair. Because if he was fair, then none of us would be able to have this relationship with God that starts now and goes into eternity. So what is forgiveness? What are some of the, quickly, what are some of the thoughts Forgiveness is giving others what God gave you. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave you. You don't hold it against them. Uh, You can let it go. Again, you don't let them keep hurting you, but you offer them the same what Christ gave you. Uh, God, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness righteousness. We forgive like we've been forgiven. Also, we see that freedom enables faith, and uh, it's this tie together to be free and to have faith, and when you and I, we sang that song, it's this idea that you and I can be free from the burden of having a grudge, having bitterness in our heart. You lived on the planet Earth for just a little while. You have plenty or few examples of this. And I tell you, from personal experience, when I've been able to forgive over a process of time, it frees my heart. You see, we are to have forgiveness flow to us, but we also are to allow forgiveness to flow through us. It's a two-way street. As a Christ follower, we don't have to be captivated, closed in by bitterness, by a grudge. And again, that's not to minimize what you may have gone through, what you may have experienced. There may be a long process to get on the other side of it. And really, maybe get to the other side of it's not not the right word, but but to function with it so it doesn't captivate your heart and your soul. Uh, That's possible. 
So as Christ followers, our bottom line this morning, and it's, it's, not, it's profound, but it's really not that uh, complicated. It's this, forgiven people forgive. If you're a Christ follower and you're forgiven, we're called to forgive. And we need to begin that journey of being a person that does not hold grudges and forgives because the love we've experienced, we're passing on to others in our relationships. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Uh, We easily embrace that. We're, We're thankful that you have offered that to us. But so hard sometimes to be a conduit of it to other people in our lives. Some of us are just captivated by just heartbreaks, uh, tragedies, just horrendous things. And some of us are captivated by things that just, just, just drive us crazy. Lord, help us to move in the direction of being forgiving because we've been forgiven. And this morning there may be someone in this room or listening online that has never experienced your forgiveness. So they don't have the wherewithal, they don't have the faith that will help them to forgive like Jesus talked about seven times in a day. And I ask that even in this moment they might say yes to the, they might say, Lord, I need you in, your, in my life. I accept your forgiveness for my sins. Your, uh, in fact, your son died and rose again for me. I want that forgiveness. And, Lord, maybe that will be their steps to being able to be a forgiving person. And for all those of us who have carried around some hurt, some grievance, uh, we ask that uh, a message like this uh, uh, can start that process of being healed from that. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.